saying welcome to Laughing Monkey Music Show to Adam Hamilton. Adam is an awesome producer and a multi-instrumentalist. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Good to see you. Good to see you. It's been a little while. I know we chat once in a while, but I wanted to yep. back on. I want, I, want, I want to talk. I've been listening um, to you and to your work. <laughs> you know, it's not that far from my mind because nice. you've been doing so many good projects lately. More so than I've been hearing. Not that, you know, oh, quality work, obviously. You, and, and I'd say one of my favorite Thank things. You, man. Say, I, I you're, you're welcome. One of my favorite things about you is your drum, your live drum sound. Makes or breaks an album. Oh, it's thank like you, best, man. You know, one of the best sounds out there because you honor the drum and it just fills the room, but it feels warm. And you do craft it to certain artists where it'll be a little, 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 little tighter, a little snappier, or a little looser. Like you do work your drum sound. It's not just a certain sound. You do work with artists, but it always feels live. You know? Oh man! Well, thank you. It's taken a long, a long and arduous process to get to this point, but it's it's still you know it's like anything. You're it's a work in progress. It's always changing, but to have people acknowledge that is and appreciate it. It's it's like oh man, thankfully all the all the hard work is paying off because that's why you do it. You know you want you want people to go man, this is great. And in the and in the age where we're having to do everything on small budgets and you can't go into you know uh, the big studios anymore 99 percent of the projects it's like it, it definitely poses a challenge because those all, all those records we love and those sounds that they got it's tough to get that in your home studio you gotta yes. you gotta do a lot of a lot of work to get to that point yep you okay. gotta spend the money on the bikes and the preamps and stuff that you used to be able to rent but the nice thing is is you know when you invest in all that and you invest in learning how to use it and i had some really good teachers like andy johns and don was and all these great producers and engineers oh, wow. that, were, that were kind enough to you know i was able to make m multiple records with them and and i was just like a student i was like please teach me and they were all very kind and very willing to share everything they knew and you know, now I get to just kind of put it into trial and error every single day, which is great. And and sometimes it's funny, man. Some days we'll go, oh man, that's the absolute best drum sound I could get for that song. It turned out great. And sometimes I'm like, what did I do different from today to yesterday? It just, it doesn't have the magic. And you just never know, man. There's so many variables that, you know, can factor in. But it's still that that supernatural magic at, at play, or the supernatural is at play. And sometimes you get great sounds, and sometimes it's it's not so great. But you know, you just keep trying. You know. Well, and for people that are lost to think about, well, why are they talking about drum sounds? Go back and listen to some drums from nowadays, some albums, and then listen to the yeah. older stuff, and then and then go back and listen to the work Abs on recently. You know, uh, LA Guns. Um, you know, Mark Knight. I mean, some of the work you've done late, lately, a lot of live sounding, not just drums, but everything can also live. Mark Knight's album, holy moly. Yeah. What, what, uh, what another live sound. It feels like he's in the room with you. Yeah. Yeah, man. That, that record was really strange, man, that it was one of the easiest records I've ever made. It was so easy and such a pleasure. Mark did so much of that work on his own. We set yeah. him up with tools and he did all the tracking of his parts at home. And we did drums here tig kettler came over and did drums from here you know from big no, fantastic drummer i want to give a shout out to tig too fantastic oh, drummer. you don't hear enough about him either i, I so i just gonna give him a shout out absolutely a, a sweetheart of a guy both of those guys are just epic top-notch musicians and incredibly got guys to hang with so much fun 
and I cut drums on a couple of them. So we just kind of left the sound in the setup, but we said, we just want to make this an acoustic album with just, a, maybe we don't even do drums. I mean, we really had Mark and I talked about this for almost a year and we said, let's just really have a mission statement on this. It's going to be acoustic. It's going to be stripped down, maybe drums, maybe some percussion. And we went further, those boundaries expanded, <laughs> but we said, this has got to sound like it was a done back in the seventies and B like mm -hmm. it was done on tape. So we have to do everything we can to, to trick, to make people think that. And you're right, man. You know, most of the records today, now that you can use drum samples, everybody uses drum samples. It's like, it sounds like, it's drum like samples to auto tune. Me. Just, just cause you have auto tune doesn't mean you got to put it on everything. And now the drum sounds alike. They sound like a typewriter. The kick drums just sound like clicky, you know, and it doesn't sound like a drum. I'm old school, yep. man. I, I love to have the, the tools at my yeah. disposal. If a kick drum isn't knocking hard enough, I can add a sample way down low. Right. Got to be so, about it's a tool. It's a tool. It's a tool. Yeah. Just like an auto tune, you shouldn't be like, really. If, you shouldn't be using it unless maybe back in the day, somebody who's financing the record wants their niece to sing in the background, and you exactly. might need to auto tune them in the background yeah. so they don't go off key in your song. I mean, it's not, it shouldn't exactly. be a tool of of the main musicians anymore. It, it's it's not. It, you can't auto tune somebody. It should not be a part of the, part of the their 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 yeah. um. It shouldn't, but you know that's the world we live in today. And you know, once once the genie is out of the bottle, there's no it's putting out, it back. And it's out. Um, but so and, it is. And, and, but what's great about that, and with, actually with Marks, is when he said in the interview when we were talking to him, and we like we go back and forth a lot too. So when I first heard, it, I was like, I couldn't believe it. Because I knew he was going to do a good album. He always yeah. does good albums. It's consistent. So it's hard to say when someone has another album that you're not expecting it. Because I'm like, it's not a negative. This is like a super A plus plus. Like it's like I was expecting to hear a good a good album. But yeah. when I heard this one, I'm like, this is not what I was expecting. And then, you know, when he says, he goes, I was really left to my own devices. I go, you're singing, you're, you're singing different. Yeah. It's like, it's, 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 another, it's, it's, it's different. Like you feel freer. It just feels so much better. He's like, I really felt like I had nobody on me. Yeah. I'm like, and that might be the way to go. Just have somebody record you, but let you be yeah. your own guide because yeah. he's done the best, best album of his life. Yeah. I mean, I think on a, on every level, um, I worked on the album previous to that. They came over here and did, uh, drums here and I got to hear everything from start to finish um, and I thought it was a really good album but yeah. I felt, felt like it was a little slick and overproduced and I thought his songs were like an 8 out of 10 and then when he started sending me songs for this next record I go well that's a 10 out of 10 and he'd send me another and I go that's a 10 out of 10 yeah. and I'm like this is gonna be this is gonna be really cool and 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 it was the first record I worked on in a long time where I, I got really excited to get going and be a part of it and it was so easy. It was, we laugh about how easy it was. It's just sometimes when the, when everything is just meant to be, it just all falls into place. And it's so, uh, it's just like the record just made itself. And you're like, wow, that was easy. You know, and going in, knowing you, you want to make a very stripped down, raw, uh, acoustic sounding album, which sounds old school, not too many overdubs. I mean, we literally did acoustic guitar left and right. Some songs, that's yep. it. Some songs when he had a, a, a distorted guitar, left and right, and that's it. That's the way the old guys used to do it. We treated it like we were making tape on tape. We never used more than 18 tracks a song. And it was great, man. And it turned out amazing. You know, it's his songs are so good that it, it's hard to mess it up. But we were both really surprised in the end. We were both like, wow, I can't believe it. It turned out that sounding that good. But sonically, it's yeah. the less you put in a song, 
the the bigger and more powerful it's going to sound. And it's not the, yes. the old saying where they say less is more. But the reason those Zeppelin records sound so big is because it's got it's four instruments going. And Van Halen, another one, it's four yes. instruments going, and it's just huge. The more you the more you put in a mix, it starts to just fill it all up, and it, you lose headroom, and it sounds like white noise, and it's just roaring, and there's no dynamic. And we don't, you know, they don't master with dynamics anymore. No. And we made sure and we mastered it like we did an old school record. We said, even if it's going to be a little quieter than the next record, that's okay. It's going to sound better than the next record. So we we had a, a serious mission statement going into it. And I think those songs, they definitely, when he presented them, they were so good that I said, we've got to stick to this plan because these songs need to be honored and as good as they are, you know? I mean, I didn't yes. have to do anything to them. I was just like, that one's great. Let's cut it. Let's go. Mix it. This one's great. Literally, literally I heard it before it came out. I, was, I wrote, I said, I got to write a, uh, I got to do a record review for you. I think I've done like two or three ever. I hate writing. Yeah. I literally, I hate texting, writing a thing. Even if you get messages when you chat with me, I'm like the super shortest person ever. Yeah. So for me to sit down and write a review. Yeah. I was very, very, very um, inspired. Um, me too. But, and, and, and that's the thing about this is also goes back actually ties to your, produ your production though. And I noticed this is, is your guitar. When you do guitars, you do right and left. Mm -hmm. You're really good. And it's one of my favorite things that I always listen to because the wrong producer can kind of ruin a song on some level. And I, and I was just yeah. talking to a band the other day, but I'm like, band had a certain sound. I said, I'm not taking away from your early records, but my mom mentioned them. <laughs> but I said, but to me, if your songs, would have shown better if they were shown in the right parts. Somebody has their own sound and the, it's just not complimentary yeah. with the band. It can kind of yeah. water it down, make it be like, what? Yes. It feels like you're, and then it make, then it makes the band feel like they're trying to be something or not. If they're not, so it, it is a, a very much of a, like a band is like a car kind of, and a producer's kind of like driving it, but like the drummer's yeah. the engine. I, I have this whole thing in my head. I feel like yeah. <laughs> how it goes. Yeah. But, great, great analogy. And and to that point, and then when you do guitars, and I've noticed not just this one you're doing like in LA Guns or other bands, the clarity of the different frequencies of the drums, I mean drums of the guitars, guitars tend to get muddled together. Same guitar, same tone, same yeah. amps. It's worse, it's worse yeah. live with bands. But once again, on a lot of your albums, when I hear it, I can hear the difference. You can hear a lot, especially if you put like in your car or a big speaker or headphones, you can hear the two guitars. Mm -hmm. You hear there's something going on. It's not just That's this cool, big man. wall of, of, of guitar or, or a thin sound of, you know, yeah. is that well, something you, you work on? It's, yeah. Oh, yes, man. Absolutely. We work on that very hard. And that's another thing. Tracy, being the producer, he says this, he's of that same mind. He's the he's the guy who we we put our heads together and we go, it's it's about using the Led Zeppelin, you know, template Model, and then expanding yeah. on it. Bit, but just you know keep those guitars panned hard you know the thing is is you want the vocals in the middle and you've got so much information coming at you in in the middle and the kick drum the snare drum the bass guitar the vocal that's a lot going on and they've got to be in the middle unless you're doing a beatles rec, you know type mix and you want to have the vocal over the side or you want to do some silly but when you give those guitars hard pan and hard you know left and right and that's all you do is a rhythm track you're going to be able to turn that up so loud and it's going to just break walls down. You add more guitars and more guitars, all of a sudden you start, sound, sounds like a Tom Scholz Rockman and it just becomes yeah. white noise. There's no dynamics. It's just like walking outside in a, in a sandstorm, just bl blowing you back. 
and it's just to me, I, I'm I'm just not interested in that. That that to me, I, I I rarely hear modern records that sound good. You know, I hate to say it, but you know, I'm just I'm I go back to the old school all the time, in production and sound and vibe and records I listen to, and so we just apply that, you know, to what we like, um, and that's why that it sounds a little different, you know. Which is important. I mean, that's keeping the rock sound alive. I think the problem is some of these newer rock bands. I don't know if they're going for the glossier sound, but it, it takes the edge off of them being a rock band. It makes them like almost, I don't, I, don't, I can't describe it. I think that's why I can never get into a lot of the, some, a lot of the newer bands is because the production, the sound of where they're going, it, it mm -hmm. just feels like it's too sterile, like it's too, something is missing something. It's like, when you get a track, I think it's exciting. I don't think people realize like getting like raw tracks, like you've, I'm sure you've heard like the raw tracks unmixed down of like Van Halen, like the yeah. Roth, and you hear and as a person or a music lover, that's so exciting because it's just so loud, it's just so raw. As yeah. I heard them, and, and, and I'm gonna tell you, man, and then when you get that in front of you, you talk about a template, you're like, all right, what can I do to make this palatable for everybody, but to keep this energy they have? It's like the sun. Like how can you get the energy of the original part of the product there, but make it right. for everybody's ears without well, losing the, the, the source? Trick, the trick is you have to capture that energy in the studio. You have to put those parts down, record them, with the energy, it's got to be there going into it. You're really not going to be able to, to to fake it. I mean, you can distort things and try all different things to get energy to create a simulated energy from a record. But that's why that when you get in a room and you play with four guys and you're looking at each guy in the room or through the window, you're feeding off everybody's energy and right. you're getting chills and you're just, this is magic. This is amazing. Um, and you can't get that in any other way, you know, and very few times, I, I, you know, very few projects I work on where we do it separately, that we can get that energy. But literally, where it's like with the LA Guns guys, we're literally rocking out on our own so much where we're banging our heads and we're physically putting that energy into the tracks, even though we're not mm -hmm. in the same, because we're having to compensate. We're having well, that's to what I was gonna say, it's hard because a lot of bands and it's not just LA Guns as an example. I mean, it's a great album. So it's a good example to talk about because it's a great album, you know, Soup to Nuts. And, and I got, when I got it early, that's checking that out because I'm talking to Phil about it. I was like, it's a good album. It's like probably one of their best albums. Yeah. I think it's their best album since their comeback album. Prior to that, just yeah. harkens way back to earlier with me. I've always liked the yeah. early raw sound of, of, of LA Guns. I think yeah. um, the slicker it got, I thought it was, it was, it was dampening the songs. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm, we're we're all about the vibe, you know. Yeah, and so, so left to our own devices, it's it's. There are some tracks that are going to sound really raw and really strange, and some people are not going to like it. Some people are like I like the cocked and loaded sound of LA Guns. It's like, well, you know, that had a lot to do with Tom Worman producing it, mm -hmm. and, and you know, now when you got Tracy able to do what he wants, and he and I, we're we're just all vibe guys. We're like. Who cares if there's a little bit of weirdness or squeak or this or that? If it adds to the the cool sonic, you know, you listen to those early Stooges records and they were far from perfect, far from slick. And it's like that stuff speaks to me more than some slick overproduced record any day of the week. You know, that that gets me excited about music, listening to something that has a vibe, you know. Is it more of a challenge or is it are people fine? I'm sure at first it was like with like the recording further away. A lot of bands live in like Argentina, and then somebody like lives in Florida, and yeah. then somebody lives in Canada. Yeah, they're different bands, and then they're like, yeah, "We need hard. to record." First off, different schedules, and you know, just trying to do like a Zoom uh, an interview. People don't realize everyone lives in different time zones. You know, yeah, are on the other side of the world. 
you have to coordinate yeah. and, and counterbalance. First, you got to find time that works for a schedule for two people and then figure out the time difference. So to do it with a band, to get yeah. like four or five people, musicians, and then the producer together. Yeah. To even sit down and have a meeting. It's got to be hard. So yeah. has it gotten any easier as people kind of fall into a, a system as, as the past couple of years have gone on to, to do it now, like to record their stuff and send it? Is it? Yeah. I mean, everybody's nature, kind of adapted. Everybody's arduous. kind of adapted. Yeah, we've all kind of adapted and figured out a, a way to do it and get the best out of out of the scenario of the reality of the way we do it. But for Mark's record, I mean, I think we'd be playing drums, I'd be tracking it, and Mark would be here hanging out, giving him energy, you know, giving him vibes. And mm -hmm. so everybody in the room, even if it's just a couple of guys in the room, makes a difference man you know yeah. rage against the machine they cut their first record at sound city and they set a pa up in the room and they had their friends in there and they said now you got to be quiet after takes don't, don't cheer and everything and don't say anything but they wanted that because that that having an playing to an audience is going to up your game it's going to up your going to give you adrenaline which is going to make you get excited and you're going to put more into it than if you are just sitting in your pajamas and you're you know in front of your laptop recording at 10 in the morning you know, you're going to totally get it. It's going to be like night and day, you know? Right. I, and I love that. that some bands are doing it. And it also can be taboo to say, but um, Riley's LA Guns wrote their songs and got together. And this is an example from the band. I like both, both, both bands. I don't get into politics, but they flew out and they recorded together for a week. They planned it out and did it. And, and there's a lot of other bands that have done that where they take the time, they, they practice the tapes back and forth, but they still take that one week and they fly in together just to keep the energy. Yeah, man. I mean, that's, and I think that's, that's important if bands can keep doing that. Even if you use the technology oh. to to, to pre-rehearse, to save yourself the time, of course you're in different areas of tickets and save yourself the tickets and the costs. But if you can do that, get ready and then fly in for a week and nail out 10 songs in five days. If you know the material, you should be able to do it. Especially if you're a rock and roll yep. band, you know? Yeah, man. <laughs> there's, there's, not, there's nothing like doing it that way. There really isn't. It's, and it's most fans are looking back saying, well, yeah, I like that album, but, you know, it was recorded differently, you know, separate. I, was it Phil? I actually think Phil, Phil was talking about that. Like the last album was good, but it was recorded more remote. And that was part of the difference. I, th yeah. I could be wrong. So I think he said well, no, yeah, it, was, well, it, wasn't, was... it wasn't exciting. So this one's much more exciting. Yeah. And and we were all, we were, it, it was during COVID. Everybody was stuck in their house. You know, everybody was battling depression and trying to figure out ways to stay inspired and feeling hopeful and phil got thrown into the you know having to do his vocals on that by himself uh, on every record phil's gone somewhere to do them either he's yeah, gone he has a friend in, in uh, what new york or something he goes to work with yeah man um he goes to new york or he's come out here and done them for the devil you know he did them here with me he he needs that he needs that energy he needs somebody to say do it again do it again yep. uh and he had to do it all himself and it just he didn't he did not enjoy that process and and that i think he that that unfortunately makes you will always indelible indelibly imprint how you feel about that record you know making that record you're going to go back to that time and you're like god that was a dark time we were depressed and who knew what was going on in the world yeah. and i had to do all my vocals and you know we were trying to get it in on time and we blew the deadline and you know that's so you know you want to you want to have good memories about making it as well as making a great record you know you want to enjoy it it's not about fun but yeah man we're making we're not we're not uh 
Oper- doing brain surgery where we get to make records it's it should so be fun it fun. should be fun because you're you're, you're yeah, in the business be. of selling of selling fun and you can say some some messages or whatever or sadness it's music is selling emotions and, and yes and, and and it's the best thing you can and i hate to say selling it isn't be selling monetarily you're selling to what you're putting out there to people and people are taking it in or how you're yeah. interpreting it i mean yeah man selling selling and buying music is not really profitable anymore so it really isn't so much selling it's you just sell yourself in a conversation. How are you putting it out there? Yeah, man. You know, you have the people feel feel that that insp- your inspiration. If you felt inspired and you felt joy when you're laying down, I mean, you shows. can sit in the room shows. after you you can sit in the room after you do a take and you're like, I wasn't even feeling it, and you can just listen to it and hear it. You know, it's very real. One of the things you do, you work with a lot of obviously more more named musicians. What about other people that want to come in? And work with you on projects because you play a lot of instruments too so if a band is needs something you can do yeah. it so if somebody's a songwriter if, or if someone's like just a songwriter singer you can do the rest of it right so i mean yeah. you're really flexible to a lot of things you offer to other musicians yeah yeah that's the cool thing about it is i was just so bored as a kid i learned to play most of the intr- instruments and i can kind of be a, a go-to guy if you need a little keyboards here or a little bass there and you know i can kind of jump in and shift over and do what needs to be done for each project which is fun so what about people that want to do work with you i mean do you have a schedule that you can do do you take it in some other people that aren't in there like what's your availability for people yeah i mean i work with everybody so you can just hit me on instagram or facebook you know adam hamilton on there and just send me a message and we'll and we'll chat and figure it out it's that it's that easy and you're based in outside in la right Area. Based in LA, but but I work with people all over the world. Remote, right. Day. So so if it was inside recording, I mean that just so people know that out of the gate, and they yep. can work with you and you do a lot of different things. And I'll put that. I was put the links in there. I just want to put that out there to people that he is accessible. And yes, absolutely. And and, and did not think, oh, he's just working with these other big bands, you know. Yeah. Big large rock bands, not big bands. <laughs> How basic. But, but the point is, and you've actually, we'll talk about some of the other, ba- other art, interesting art, but, but I want people to feel like they can reach out to you if you have time, you know, space you, to, to work with you. I mean, it'd be a waste because you're a great resource, you know. Uh, I, I lo- and I love being able to work with other people and empower them to be able to do it themselves, too. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have a laptop? Do you have a microphone? Let's figure out a way to get you up to speed to where you can make great sounding demos and, and then you can use tracks you've done and the project may, maybe we work on together you know i love i love that that's that's one of the things that i loved about mark on this record was he always had somebody running pro tools and doing all that and i told him i go you got to learn it man we got to get you up to speed and he took on, took on that challenge and yep. you know he he had a a couple of frustrate i had to go over there and get him out of some some you know he yes. got himself into some problematic situation but he's he's five minutes from me around you know in yeah. Woodland Hills, so it was really quick and easy. And then you know he he kept doing great sounding tracks, and I'm like, man, you're rolling. Just keep keep rolling. And and then he'd come over, and we'd put him in Pro Tools, and then we'd start doing the other tracks. You know, it's funny how many. And I'm gonna say this, <laughs> preface it with me, like where I've done the show, I've probably done oh, I don't know probably close to 400 interviews now, and a lot of the times, especially in the beginning. I was I was working with musicians because they just it was new technology and I'm an IT guy, helping them get set up, do messaging or yeah. or Zoom if they're a manager or a handler or a spouse or somebody to help them because some people have 
no cares in the world. They don't want to do it. They just didn't want to have to do it. Yeah. Which is pretty awesome. But then COVID happened and you have to learn it. Yeah. One of the things I've learned, so between that, I've experienced a lot. Now it's like second nature to me. Like even we were talking, I'm like left hand button, like I'm because you know, with you, were you doing a lot of the same like in the beginning, helping people and like you've realized it's kind of tapered off more a lot of musicians now have kind of really gotten into Pro Tools and gotten into some kind of desktop mm -hmm. operating system. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and, and what was great was during COVID when I was really going underground because I have a little girl with, she has a compromised immune system. I wasn't working with anybody over here, but we still needed to do projects where I was having to send out to my buddies. Yeah. And some of them just have a, a nice mic and a laptop because they had to get with the program, you know, and I could pick up the phone and call three, four, five guys and say, hey, can you do this vocal session for me today and send me the files? So yeah, it's it's definitely, you know, plus all if you're if you're running the DAWs, they're always problematic and we we all help each other. You know, we're all each other's, you know, tech support. You know how it goes. I, I do and I, and I hear a lot behind the scenes of a lot of people, you know, you, you, you always expect I, I want to say let's pull back the mirror a little bit like the, the curtain. A lot of people think that musicians are having like endless knowledge of everything. And I think it's unobtainable when the truth is most musicians can't read music. Yep. They, they don't play a lot of other people's music because they, they probably right. could, they worked on it, but they don't because it's not natural. Like the few people that actually can play every song and know every note generally aren't the ones that have the, have that we're listening to. And it's not right. a dig. It's just, it's just for whatever reason, that's just how it, how it pans out. So, yeah. so to feel like you're not skilled enough, and the same thing I think goes with production, mm -hmm. that people feel like they're not, they can't be an Andy Johns or somebody or like in the studio, this big thing. It doesn't always come down to that and the knowledge, you know, yep. it's, there is a lot mm -hmm. less knowledge. Not that anybody can do it either, but I'm saying, so it's really about like raw knowledge and, and part of this is having a good ear and knowing what you like and figuring the rest of it out. Yeah, absolutely. Figuring out what doesn't work informs you to what works usually you know figure out what it's, doesn't sound good what doesn't it's surprising sound surprising to know that to like to me like the first thing i learned is like i was a guitar but not really not well i'm like i'm the best guitar player alone in my room no actually i'm probably second best alone in my room <laughs> but, exactly. but the point is it, it's it's so much fun yeah but when i talk to some of my favorite guitar players and I'm, they're like yeah, i don't practice first time off i'm like oh you don't practice yeah, but they'll be like, I come home from a tour and I put it down. They're like, I, I gotta actually, I haven't played it since whenever. I got my calluses back. Yeah. So it's not the same where they don't, it's not like people think they are. They're just all just woodshedding and learning the notes up and down, like, you know, like a young Steve I every day. No, yeah. Actually, I think Steve I plays every day, but some people don't know it. Like, Steve I actually knows his music beyond Ian Shreds every day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but not not everybody's like that. Not everybody's like that. Very few people are. You know, Tracy Guns is an exception. He will not go a day without having played a guitar. He will just, he's just one of those guys that just sits and plays, you know, particularly when we're on tour in his hotel room. He's got his guitars in there and he's playing all day, you know. I think to me that would open up a better world for songwriting because I know like, to just go in a studio and say, all right, I have to sit down and write a song. Yeah. Feels like it'd be very laborious and, and taxing emotionally, but that's just me. You know what I'm saying? To have a deadline to be creative. Yeah, um, it's tough. It's tough because that's that's what half of what I do is doing music for TV and film. And it's it's very much like, here's what we need. Here's when we need it. All right, go. And you're just like, ah, what am I going to do? You know, but, you know, the good thing is, is on, in a lot of situations that I do, they have an example to play me and I've got right. a roadmap. So that makes it a little easier.
And TV music, you want it to be good and exciting, but you don't want it to be a number one hit over the visual. <laughs> so it's good to be a little bit more in the back. Anyhow, so it's kind of like you, you definitely are a soundtrack type of thing. So you're not. Yep. Absolutely. You don't need as much soul into it. You really just need to help guide a guide track. And to, to, you certainly uh, don't want to distract from, from the picture. Right. So the, the, the deadline's a little differently. But I mean, to hear musicians be like, yeah, I didn't do this. Or they'd be like, yeah, on this date, I promised I'd go in, you know. Jethro Tull's yeah. like, yeah. I said, this date, this year, I was going in the studio at 9 o'clock in the morning to go in and record this. He goes, because I, 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 I was late. as was at 10 o'clock that morning. Like, he literally planned the yeah. following year when he was going to be in the studio. And he was late by an hour. And he was, like, disappointed. I'm like, you should probably cut your, I'm like, Ian, you should probably cut yourself a little bit of slack. Yeah. Some, but once again, the example of that is from all the artists I've talked to, to to share is it's amazing how different the process is and how precise people yeah. can be. Everybody's got a different process, man. Everybody does things differently. You're absolutely right. It's just like anything in life, you know. Are you there's, there's a million ways to do anything, you know? And, and me using that example to lead in. So with you and scheduling projects, obviously you, you probably work on a few things at once because you can't just do it cookie cutter one at a time. Yeah, pre-production, this and that. You're kind of flipping and moving things around. It's got to be very, yep. got to be very malleable to yep. do your job. Absolutely right. Is something like that example of saying, "I said on this date, I'm going to come into the studio and record this at this time." So that's something you may have to deal with, but you also have other projects going on around it. Do you find yep. a lot more people scheduling writing and recording sessions at a certain time? Or saying I'm going to get this loosely, and it, it kind of comes in dribs and drabs, and then all of a sudden they're like, "We're ready," and then you got to kind of be like a fireman and kind of hit the ground running. You know, every situation is different. The the first thing that I'll ask, one of the first things that I will ask when we are working on a project is I'll say, "When is it, what is our deadline?" So I can put that on the calendar. Mm -hmm. Is it a real hard deadline, or is this like you know you want to try to get it done? I need to know. Because you're right, it has. It's like Tetris. I have to shift boxes around, and I'm right. always working on multiple projects. And with me, if I get behind even a day or two, it it always stresses me out and gets piled up. I know if I have to cut drums for a song on a record, and they need it by next week, and I've got an hour to do it today, get it done today because yeah. it's something else is going to come upon my on my plate. Something else is going to happen. It's going to throw it off. And it's going to blow my deadline. So I always have, I can't procrastinate. I have to just get it done. And then I'm, and then even if I have some free time, then I can stress even, even less. I've already right. gotten it done, turned in. It's, it's been, um, you know, they, they okayed it and now I'm on to the next, but yeah, scheduling is, is challenging. Definitely. Well, but usually it's, you know, some records we're working on may take a year some more than a year, maybe a month. It just depends on how how uh, the what the deadline is. How soon are they trying to get it done? And you know, a lot of times, depending on the project, you know, like if I'm working on a record with a band, and I got a big TV gig that comes in, you know, and it pays really good, and that's kind of my day job. Yep. I have to tell these guys, I gotta, we gotta start next week or something because yeah. I have that, and they understand that that's a priority. You know, getting that stuff done. So well, that's kind of that's how I gauge it. You do have, and, and I think what's interesting is to me, and I don't, you know, hopefully people are learning, is that you you are more of the new you and um, producers now are the new model because it used to be the studio would be blocked off times, the band would go in there and write. Even yeah. for smaller bands, they would do it, or they or they would do like a demo time or certain things. You mean, or a band would go in there with 
10 hours and do as many songs as they can. But it was yeah. still booked off time and there wasn't a lot of flip-flopping projects. They may have had three or four projects in that week and then a mix down or something. But the models changed now where A, TV and movies is, is the, the main meal for most production people, mm -hmm. hands down. It's steady work, yeah. everyone needs steady work. But then bands and stuff also have different budgets and bands have to tour. Sometimes they have other day mm -hmm. gigs because the music world's changed. So now it's not them coming in all at once. You're 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 right. adapting to a year could be it could be a, a a two month gig could take a year and a half now because of their schedule and their budget and you've got to figure out how to make that work yeah. with everything else yep. you know yep. so it's changed I just, just finished the yeah it's it's definitely you it just it's a whole lot of juggling I just did a co-produced a record for that um, actress singer Anne Margaret and we had. Pete Townsend on it and Joe Perry on it and Paul from uh, David Letterman's band and all these crazy musicians and trying to schedule them to get their parts done and in so we can mix it. I mean, that took two years of scheduling, you know, so it can, can take we a talk a little time. bit about that album. That's actually that, that and how does that come about? Because first off, so freaking awesome, you know, yeah, that was a and, fun and, you one. Do, and you get to work with some of your favorite peers. Yeah, you know, I yep. mean, how could you not be excited about getting up in the morning to go work with Joe? Oh, yeah. You're gonna record Joe Perry or B Towns, like all these guys. Paul Schaefer's super talented, like all of them. You know, we're just working with Ann Margaret. I mean, so like, how does that come? Are people reaching out? Or are they like sitting down and having meetings? Saying, I know it used to be, if, if an artist wanted to do something, they'd sit down like a larger artist would sit down and maybe approach a couple producers and talk to them and see what their visions were. Yeah, yeah. Nowadays. That's I don't know if that happens anymore. You know, I think it it it, it can come from uh, all different different types of scenarios. But with with that, her record, that's from um, Brian Pereira from Cleopatra Records. He said, "Hey, we're gonna we've signed Anne Margaret to do a record. We're gonna get me and Jurgen uh, Ingler from the band Dicrups. He and I co-produce a lot of things together. Um, really, he's been. Yeah, I talked to him. Um, I love him. He Jürgen is so is smart." amazing he's brilliant so talented funny, man. funny dude Abs absolutely amazing um and we get paired up a lot to work on stuff and um so it, it's just you know it's going to be a, a lot of fun and um he lives in austin and i live here so ann margaret lives in beverly Hills. so she would come over here and do her vocals and i would send her vocals to jurgen and he'd be working on the tracks and then he'd say hey i want you to cut live drums for this for me and so i'd cut live drums mm -hmm. and then we'd have pete townsend was going to cut guitar on it and he was in england so he didn't even come to the states he cuts it at home so we're literally working like this um but yeah, man, I mean, that was from the label. The label said, hey, this is what we're going to do. Are you in? And I'm like, absolutely. And so, you know, I got to spend two weeks with Ann Margaret, which was a lot of fun and got lots of great Elvis stories. And it was it was a it was a hoot for sure, man. It was one of those things you'll never forget, you know. That's pretty awesome. I'm excited to hear it. I mean, so but like when you have something distant like that, an artist, so like to, to work out the tracks distant, say like with Pete. Yeah, obviously he's he can record his stuff. A lot of artists can at, at his level at that point. They're at their own studios and stuff. Yeah, but to have it work with the tracks, are you like doing a Zoom thing where he's talking and sending it? So you guys are real timing it. It's not just like texting or emails, right? No, I mean, it's all it... it's a 
every situation is different, but when some when something like with Pete Townsend, you just say, you know what, he's going to play whatever he plays is going to be great. And unless we want him to do something very specific, you know, let's send him the tracks or the stems for his engineer, you know, so yeah. he can kind of mix it to comfort to comfortable. Mm -hmm. And unless you have some kind of vision in mind that you want him to do, which, you know, the fun part about having somebody like like that play on a record is you want them to be free and enjoy yeah. the freedom. You don't, you don't want to come in and say, all right, Pete, we've got this great idea. We want you to play like this and do this part here and make it sound like David Gilmore here. It's like, well, that's, right. that's, I, I would slap somebody if I was in a session and they were doing that, you know, it's no, like, no, I meant more like, just like, he's like, if you were recording it and I'm sorry to be step over you. Yeah. Like it, it just, just him being like, is this fit? What do you think for the song? Like a little back and forth. I agree. I think at his level, he knows how to put in a song. If you say, this is the time window yeah. for this solo, this is it. Yeah. Be you, but he's also written enough songs. So you, it's not like you're giving it to an amateur who you have no idea yeah. what they're doing. He's yeah. delivered and produced his own stuff. So you know who you're getting on. You know, yeah. it's like how, you know the contractor you're hiring to design your room. So for the most part, you're gonna be like, do what you want and just let me sign off on it. Cause I might have yep. to be a little particular. But I don't know if there's any kind of like small communication as far as them saying, hey, do you think this or you're like, hey, you know, like some real, I always well, wonder yeah. about real time communication between distance artists. We tried, we try to have as much communication as possible because A, we've done records like this where we haven't had a lot of communication mm -hmm. or little to none with a huge artist, guest artist, mm -hmm. and what they turned in was terrible and not right for the record and right. one of the records i produced i just plain <laughs> left their part out because it was it was terrible sounding and not to name any names but i figured well they'll never know and i'm gonna make this record sound great at all costs and i'm not gonna put those tracks on it if they don't sound great and there's nothing i can do to fix them mm -hmm. uh and i learned a valuable lesson in that one he did an interview with billboard magazine uh mm -hmm. or uh yeah or Rolling Stone, and he said, I can't believe I did this record, and these producers didn't put my part in, they just left it off, how rude, and I'm like, well, I guess I owe him an apology, but, you know, it was just a catch-22. I learned that next time, I'm just going to have a lot more communication, I'm going to tell them what we need, I'm going to make sure that uh, they know exactly what we're, what we're looking for, if we, def if we know, and otherwise, you know, let them have their have their uh, creative input and you want them to feel free and a part of it. But sometimes that can bite, bite you in the, in the butt, you know, not right. having a lot of communication. Well, that's time. what I usually think. I mean, I don't think, I mean, obviously someone like Pete or bigger people, but Joe Perry, I expect Joe Perry would just deliver it. Like a lot of the bigger names. It's not, you're just not just a bigger name because you're a bigger name. You're a bigger name because you've been delivering it and you yeah. have your thing all these years. You know, this yeah. doesn't just happen to people in the industry. There's a reason yeah. why, you know, um, the stories are always like, you know, Aretha Franklin going to the studio and you're like, one time coming sing one vocal and they know they hit, they nailed it and they're done yeah. and they leave. Like there's yeah. a lot of stories like that because that's a certain level. Yep, absolutely. But then again, you know, you can have people who are doing it on their studio and they're getting lazy and they're not using real amplifiers and they're doing the cheap, quick, easy, lazy way. And, and what you get is you're like, wow, that's, we just paid a lot of money for a, for a huge guest to come in and only turn that. So, you know, it just, it, you, you, you can experience all different types of scenarios, you know? 
but hopefully when you do hire somebody like that to come in, not only are you hiring them for their name uh, as a great name on the album, you're hiring them to do what they do and bring their magic to it. So hopefully they do, you know? I would imagine by word of mouth, but once again, it's a new industry where people are recording their own stuff now. The yeah. old word of mouth would have been like, producers would say, hey, to each other, how this how this one works. If you work with them, this is what you need to do. This is what you can expect. Yeah. You kind of had your, your roadmap, to use your word. Now, people are recording at home themselves, having other friends yeah. or producers doing it. So now, yeah. it's almost like the Wild West. You're still not sure now when you get that name because it's done differently yeah. now. It's got like, to right. figure it out again. You're absolutely right. So it's it's definitely uh, sometimes it can be a flip of coin. Like I sure hope this turns out great, and you know you're obviously very pleased when it does. Um, I feel but, like know. I would have a checklist, and I'd be like, okay, I do want to yeah. ask you before we start working with people. I'd be like, you know, who's recording it, and then I'd, I'd throw uh, a couple technical questions to see like if that's they're what there, I do. or can I talk to your who's your producer? I'd like to talk with them so yeah. we're on the same page because I yeah. want to make sure it's balanced right. You know, it makes sense that's, anyhow to do that, but it kind of lets exactly you know right. yeah. what you're walking into. That is what we do. We, you know, we have a checklist email, you know, for for them to turn it in, uh, from for what we need, and hopefully they will stick to that. But I've had, you know, it's it, it's been it, it's been an interesting um, an interesting lesson. And sometimes, you know, you hope hope for the best, and it and it ends up being very disappointing. But then sometimes, you know, you just don't have any expectations, and it blows your mind. So you never know. You just never know. But it's interesting. It is very interesting. Um, but hey, I want I wanted to take some time to you today, and I want to thank you for coming on today. Thank you, man. Yeah. It's great to great to chat with you. I appreciate it. Well, I love your music. I love what you do. I've always been a fan. I'll we'll have you thank back you. again. I want to keep people. I want to keep you out there. I want people to know what you're doing and put a face on some of you know who you are, what you're doing, and, Ooh, and I want people to reach out to you and you know and use him. He's you know you could hire a fantastic producer whose work you could actually hear. An yep. artist that you like, why would you not want to do that? I mean, that's yeah. like growing up as a musician, that's what you want. And he can yeah. fill in, he's a songwriter, he can work with you on that. These are all these great options, you know. And he's not like he's just worked with nobody. I mean, you, you have a resume that shows that you can deliver, and it's a good thing, it's going to be proud of. So, yeah, it, it, yeah it, 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 it's something. So, people reach out to him on, on Facebook or Instagram, yep. he's really easy to get in touch with. And it's um, usually, it usually has to comes down to money and not having a budget. But the the thing is, as I tell everybody, is I work on a sliding scale. So I figure out if it's something I can work into my schedule, or if it's something I really want to do, we'll make it work. You know, I understand yeah. that people don't have companies f flipping the bill, and even the companies that are don't don't spend the money. So you just have to, you know, that's why I do a lot of different things. But yeah, always work on a sliding scale. You know, it's it's unfair to have a, a, a set rate, in my opinion, for what I do these days, because not everybody has has, you know, that can can uh, afford that. And I I, I feel bad. It hurts you as much, though. It hurt you as much, too. Or, or, or maybe it's only smaller than you, because you, you've gotten to a good point now where you can exist on TV and other stuff. But I think being fluid and flexible allows you to really keep on top of everything. Absolutely, man. And it's fun to make records with young bands and young artists, you know, um, that don't have that. And, and then they, they just feel really appreciative of, of getting to work with somebody that they thought they couldn't afford, you know, like, you just have to ask, you just have to get that conversation open. And, and a, a lot of people will really make it work these days because they want to work with you and help you, you know. 
and that's that's perfect. Um, but I want to thank you. Let's, I want to revisit you coming back maybe next year again, and you know, some more Absolutely. of your albums I'm loving. We'll we'll geek out over. But, uh...